0: You know, it, it sounds like you got some really good stuff there, Logan. I'm just not quite sure. I, n- I need to talk to my wife about it.
1: Oh, okay, Nate. That's that's fine. If I was at my home, I'd want to run it by my boss, too. I know how it goes. Uh, is there any way we could get her on the phone?
0: Uh, she's actually a nurse, and like they have a policy at the hospital, no phones between shifts.
1: So, so you just need to run this by your wife. Is it just price, or do you want to get her? I mean, you probably ought to get her opinion on it if she feels the same way you do. Is it okay if I call you? later tonight, give you guys about an hour to talk about it. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake up call every morning to waste no day. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey,
0: welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you again. And man, do we have some excellent guests. Yes, I said guests for you today. That's right. We are bringing together. Rocket Fuel, Dylan Moya, and Logan Altland join us both today as the $3 million men. We have a plumber and an electrician, and we are going to be breaking down all kinds of stuff with them, and we're going to be doing some objection roundtable with them. So we are excited for that, and we are looking forward to their answers and responses as we bring together these two powerhouses. But before we do that, we're going to break down a little bit of the ideas for you right now and turn to Brian for our quote. Hold on.
2: This is This a long one. You ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Impossible is just a big word thrown around by small men who find it easier to live in the world they've been given than to explore the power they have to change it. Impossible is not a fact. It's an opinion. Impossible is not a declaration. It's a dare. Impossible is potential. Impossible is temporary. Impossible is nothing. Muhammad Ali.
0: Oh, I'm ready to go run through a wall. Yeah. After babe. that. The <laughs> gold. What's up? Let's go. Why,
2: why, why impossible today? A plumber and an electrician doing 3 million in revenue. And in the same room without beating each other up. In 100% residential service. Ooh. 100% residential service. You know, we had Jamie Mellinger. Uh, maintenance electrician extraordinaire on he, yeah. you know he's the the 2.8 million dollar man but not three you know not yet not yet not yet <laughs> he will be next jamie year will he, be. Will be he next still year. might be this year <laughs> <Yeah, that's laughs> he's playing true. games Pushing. jamie does not love the number two spot he'll he'll act humble you know he is humble but he'll he'll play a uh, second well and say hey i'm just glad logan's killing it but come on bro we know jamie sure it do, it doesn't sit well he he's very happy for and proud of Logan. well, we are all competitors, yes, we are, but uh Jamie doesn't love that number two spot, but uh yeah, impossible is nothing like Logan doesn't understand the word Dylan doesn't understand the word um these guys are pushers they're they're drivers, they're integrity and principle driven human beings who Uh, they care what they put their name on so you know would be I don't want to say it would be easy but it would be much easier to do these kind of numbers if you were willing to just walk in a home and lie and say anything to get the job done these two guys are not willing to do that Um, I know Logan very personally as you know I've been part of his training and Dylan and I uh, communicate much more than just on the podcast now we've become friends as, as I see it, um, based around some stuff that our, our kids are mutually into and, you know, we're plumbers. So there's that just mutual bond of respect, knowing that uh, we're the hardest workers in the trade, obviously. Um, but knowing what I know about these two, they're principle driven guys and they care about their customers deeply and they're still able to keep on serving customers at a high level with insanely high, uh, Google reviews and an insane amount of repeat business and referrals while also maintaining just um, some of the highest ticket averages and tickets in the industry. So that takes a lot of dedication, hard work and a belief that there is no number that's impossible. It's just limited thinking. And I love that part where he said, um, they're small men who find it easier to live in the world they've been given, which is to say, like you get, you know, I'll I'll get tons of hate on um the posts. Like I know it's coming; it's just always coming. I'm cool with it. I actually enjoy it a little bit, but I'll get nonstop uh, pushback on on in some of these social media groups I'm in when I talk about the numbers these guys do, and. Most of the time, I'll private message a lot of the guys saying this stuff and we'll just have a conversation. And it and it usually ends up with their eyes opening. And, you know, this is the revenue that my dad taught me. This is the revenue that the companies that I've been at do. So this is how it's done right. And there's no way you can do it right and do these kind of numbers. Becomes, wow, I just I never thought about that. Like I've just never seen it that way. I've never explored the, these options. But you don't have to be broke and be in the trades. That Those days are long behind us.
0: That's a good point, Brian. And I think if this podcast serves as anything, let it serve as an expansion of your perspective. Let it serve as an option to understand what else is out there, what is capable, what other people are doing, and how you too can be a part of that. And that's from income to knowledge, to communication styles, to strategies, to whatever it is, you can get better because there's probably somebody out there right now in whatever thing that you're challenged with that was in your place before and overcame it. And we love bringing people on the podcast like that who have those stories, who've come from nothing or little, who've overcome great obstacles and have come on the other side and are now looking back and saying, you too can make that leap. Dylan and Logan are two of those guys who have made the leap into the $3 million category, which is just unfathomable for so many people. And they're now on the other side of that hurdle saying, you too, you too can come over here and do this as well. So before we get too much farther into it, we are going to invite them onto the show. This is going to be a two-parter, so make sure that you stay tuned for next week as we continue the podcast and we look at uh, some more content for you. But for now, we're going to invite Dylan Moya and Logan Aldlin to both sit in your passenger seat. Our guests today are Dylan Moya and Logan Altlin. They both join us as repeat guests on the show. Dylan is a service tech for Billy Go Plumbing, Cooling, and Heating based out of Texas. And Logan is a service technician for Mr. Sparky electric based out of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are so privileged to have these two gentlemen join us again. Welcome to the show boys.
1: Thank you for having me.
3: Glad to be back guys. Thank you for having me back.
2: Yeah, great to have you both back. We're, we're. Um, I don't know about we. Nate doesn't get really excited. He just walks around, let up four all day. <laughs> but I'm like at a, uh, I'm, I'm shaking over the ten here. I'm about to explode past the the ten on the scale of one to ten in excitement because both of your episodes, respectively, are top ten all time downloaded episodes for the Waste No Day podcast, which speaks to to, you know, Nate and my brilliance bringing you on in the first place, um, yeah, clearly. And, and, you know, distant second thing it's, it speaks to is how impactful your episodes were and what you guys do on the service calls day to day and how much that resonates with the people who listen to this show, which for the most part we hope are, you know, service techs who are either high performing um, service tax comfort advisors, plumbers, electricians, Or who want to become high-performing, and then after that would be, you know, managers and owners of of the shops that hopefully use it to help train their people up in the art of high-performing customer service. So I'd like to thank both of you for coming back on and and for even recording the first episodes with us and giving so freely of your time, because like Nate and me, you don't get paid for this. (laughs) Well, uh, for our audience,
0: uh, gentlemen, if you'd be so kind as to give us the two to three ver- two to three minute version of kind of who you are and how you got into the trades, just in case they haven't caught your individual episodes, but we highly recommend that. We'll have those numbers for you here shortly. Uh, Logan, why don't you start off here and give us that story?
1: Yeah. So my grandfather was an electrician growing up. Um, I kind of just followed in his footsteps, and then when I when I got into high school, I went to a trade school. From there, I graduated. Went to an apprenticeship, worked there for five years. Then I ju- it just took off from there. I was just hungry to learn more electric, anything about electric. And uh, it was, it was kind, of, kind of funny. I found myself here on a whim. I never never would have thought about it, but they ret- they reached out to me, and now I'm here.
0: That's fantastic. And if you're interested in learning more about the original episode with Logan, that is episode number 88, running a call like a $3 million electrician, uh, so it's fantastic breakdown and more details of Logan's story there. Dylan, what about you?
3: I feel like my story is still so lame because I didn't. My family didn't grow up in plumbing. Um, no, I, I had a kid young, like most people. I got kind of forced into the to the trade. I was seventeen. My brothers were already plumbers, um, so they kind of went the same route. Uh, my oldest brother had a kid at seventeen, eighteen. Um, we had to kind of jump into it, something fast to make money pretty quick, and it just so happened that they were in plumbing, and I kind of just fell in line. Um, being 18, I was working as a, a 17. I was working as a busboy. Finally, got a call saying, "All right, you get, we're gonna give you an apprenticeship at a at another uh, company." And then I kind of ran from there, uh, figuring out that I was a better communicator than plumber. Um, I don't know if it was. just – I know it's just plumbing, not just plumbing, but all trades. Um, so I figured out in Southern California, there's a niche, if you know how to communicate um, versus turning wrenches. So for the first five, six years, I was turning wrenches, me and a bad plumber. Um, it, like the guys we talked about, um, that are listening to this podcast that I wish I had when I started, um, but I was a bad plumber. And then it, it finally kind of hit about five, six years in figured out how to, to really use my niche of communicating. And then I will kind of just turned the corner uh, in the last five, six years from that.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Dylan. And if you're interested in hearing more specifically about Dylan's story, that's actually episode 77, running a call like a $3 million plumber. So, Brian, we are privileged to have two $3 million men in our midst here. And that's really why we wanted to bring on these two powerhouses together. Uh, Because there's so much similarity, despite the difference in trade, there's so much similarities to what you guys do in the home in terms of presenting to a client. And that's, that's really a great place to start. Uh, Dylan, I want to, I want to start with you here. I don't know if you have any experience in electrical or HVAC as a cross trade, uh, but you know, when you, when you look at the trades as a whole, is it more about the technical abilities or is it more about the communication when it comes to dealing with a customer?
3: Um, after listening, so after listening to Logan's podcast and obviously listening to every um, episode that you guys have, it's just really understanding that it is all about communication. It doesn't matter what your what your team. i obviously it helps a ton if you know what you're talking about. Um, but I think Logan probably seems similar to myself. If I tell him how to project the sewer and kind of run him through the steps one, two, and three, I'm pretty sure he's going to be able to communicate it very thoroughly maybe not as in-depth as I can um, because I've been doing it for 12 years, but the, the grasp and the aspect of it, I think you'll, you'll get it pretty fast and it, it wouldn't be a ton of learning curve for them. Um, I think it's a hundred percent more communication um, skills and, and customer based service than actually the trade. Um, the trade is, is amazing and you need to know the trade and any trade that you're doing, selling, projecting, doing work. But the focus, I think, is the difference between what we're doing now versus some of the older plumbers that we are communicating a lot better, presenting options, going over, going over safety and really listening to what the customer wants versus just giving them solutions that they don't even know what they need.
0: Absolutely, and not knowing what they need is is part of the education process. Um, Logan, I want to I want to kind of bring that up to your attention here, so education is also a primary concern of what you're doing in the home, right? Because not, not frequently is a homeowner very aware of like what an electrical system is or a plumbing system or HVAC, really all the traits can be considered sort of that, uh, Hey, I know it's there. I know it powers something in my house. I know it's working well, uh, until it's not working well, but the knowledge base doesn't really go much beyond that. So where does education come into play in your process with the homeowner?
1: Well, a lot of people are educated by looking stuff up on Google, figuring out the internet. And, you know, the, the most important thing in a home is not only educating them, but bring, bringing them alongside you. Your education almost has to take a back seat. If, if kind of back to what Dylan was saying, if, if you can't communicate with somebody, it doesn't matter what you know. And that's, that's very hard to portray to a client that, hey, a surge protector does this if they already think you're weird or you can't communicate or... You're not trustworthy, whatever. So, I mean, my biggest thing is may, maybe not educating too much. You know, you, you can bore people pretty easy.
0: Dylan, would you have you found that to be the case in plumbing as well? I mean, it, or do you have to fight against the technicality of what you're doing and and you know stop talking like a guru and start talking like just a regular person?
3: Absolutely, I try to dumb it down. I we say dumb it down. I mean in it, it like derogatory term, but I try to make it the simplest terms everybody can understand. Um so we're talking about a sewer line, like a cast iron offset break. The pipeline fails, Right? There's a failure in the pipeline. Why could everybody understand that? Right? It's not like we try and, I try not to overcomplicate. I try not to talk about pressures and manifolds. This is this is a loop system and your you're one pipeline to another like a loop. Do we get that? Do we all understand that? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Let's move forward. Um, but I really try to go very bare minimum in the details and really focus on what, like, how we're portraying it and just so they can understand. Um, and one, two, uh, it's, it's one, it's, it's making sure that everybody understands and it can be replicated. Like, you say one thing and another guy says another. Um, but, and if they, they don't understand and you're just, like speaking 20, 30 minutes of this technical, they're, in, they're just gonna say no, right? What is the old thing is, if your mind says no, like, it's simple. If I don't know what I'm talking about or know what I'm listening to, I'm gonna say no, and I'm
0: just gonna shut it down. Absolutely, I think that is something that um, you know we've talked about this before. Part of Sandler training is the dummy curve, and if you're not familiar with that, basically draw a giant U on your piece of paper. On the left side is the amateur, and on the right side is the professional, and down at the bottom is the I don't know what you want to call the dummy, we'll say. And so when you're an amateur, you have all the excitement in the world, but you don't know anything, but you're so excited about what you're doing and you just communicate it in a way that just makes sense to everybody because you're not trying to overthink it. And you have great success. And then
2: passion sells all by itself. Exactly.
0: And then you start getting that little bit of excitement that or knowledge. And that starts turning into this, I'm using bigger words and more technical speaking. And I I start getting into the manuals and all this stuff. And what happens? Your results start going down. You get down to the bottom of that you and you're doing worse than ever because... But oddly enough,
2: you start feeling better about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so smart. Look at me. I have my uh, degree cap on and you start beating them down with the the technical stuff that you're learning and the customer's not learning. Um, But you feel more confident because of it. And then a lot of people... They curve off there, their, their numbers go down, and they start thinking the selling thing is not for me. Right. And boy, jump on one of these Facebook pages with all these plumbers or HVAC techs <laughs> or electricians who they just cannot wait to trash you two when I when I you know throw these up in these groups and and uh talk about how you're ripping people off because they tried to sell and found out, quote unquote, Ripping off people is just not for me. They're such great people. Like if you met these guys, I'm sure you would think they were the most, you know, yeah. altruistic, humble men on earth, not what they actually are. Um, but that's what happens and it happens to literally happens to everybody. You you go through a, a flash, sell a lot in the beginning, get too smart, start beating people up with technical stuff, and then Go, you know, the dummy curve, they call call it is over and and you get too technical and your sales go way down. If you don't have a decent coach around you or mentor or just straight up hunger, like you're not failing at this, you will stop. You will decide this type of career isn't for you. So did did you go through that, Dylan? Did you have to, um, did you go through the dummy curve where you sold like crazy and then, and then it tapered off and you had to find your way back?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, well, that's when I was younger. I would, I would hit really big for one, two months and then take three months off because I thought I knew everything. Um, but it, it, it's, it's because I didn't have a plan. I always had kind of making stuff up as I like got, as I went. So I would, I would sell a bunch of jobs, but never really figured out how I sold them or what I did to, to provide options. And then once I started getting better at, at going in with a game plan of, like a structure of how I was gonna run every single call, is when obviously became consistent. Cause w- what I talk about it uh, when I teach like teach my guys, or the guys that I work with, um, train, it's that everybody, everybody could have a, a great one or two months. Everybody could have a great first quarter. Um, in plumbing, the first and fourth, first and fourth quarter are the best quarters of the year, hands down. Twelve years in, haven't seen a different. Um, but then when you get to the middle months, when summer, when people are going on vacations and they're not spending, um, they're not home is where, where the big dogs start pulling away. Um, but we, I see it all the time. I've done it and I've got, I've, I've seen it. Um, and then when I hired tech, when I was hiring tech, when I was running the company was their honeymoon phase, the first three months, they were just doing everything we told them to do and they're blasting it out and knocking it out of the park, and home runs. And then they thought it was them. And then they try to just change the process and then the next three months is horrible. So I've seen it all the time.
2: Yeah. And that is, that is the key. What you said there is, is the difference between going in hot and passionate and energetic and excited about your new career and whatever falls out of your mouth, you hope it sticks versus when you hit that, finally hit that lull, which it should be coming. Um, you start building a real process and once you get that process down, you start to notice you're, you know, if, if you're a, if you're a principled um, integrity driven technician, like I know you two are, what you're recommending doesn't really change from month one where you slay it to month four where you can't seem to, to close a window, right? You still present the same things. You look around the home and you see what needs to be done and you, and you offer solutions to it. The exact same solutions. But one month you sell 85% of what you recommend and the next month you sell 30%. And that's largely because of a lack of a process. So um, great, great catch there, Dylan, on the process part. Having, as Logan and I have been working on um, pretty vigorously here lately, um, is getting a process down. So what happens with a real legit process, and I don't mean you say the exact same words on every call, although if you check with some, like Jamie, it's, it's pretty darn close, <laughs> um, but a but a real rigid process so that if you go two days without closing anything, and you know the client needed to have this stuff done, you can look at your process and go where Where did I miss something? And HVAC Masters of the Hustle host J Dub Moneymaker, was on here once and talked about that process part from an HVAC perspective, which is you know you go through the shoulder seasons like. Uh, maybe March, April, May, eh, probably like March and April. And then September, October, October, November, you don't have any real hot weather. You don't have any real cold weather. And your process is on point because if you miss anything, you ain't selling. But then you hit the summer months and, you know, people are beating down the front door to get you to replace equipment. And you become somewhat of an order taker. I mean, it's not that, e- it's never that easy, but it's certainly easier than the shoulder months. And he says, you you take your process and you rip a little piece off here. And then you hit a call the next day and you rip another piece off. And, you know, you imagine yourself with a piece of paper with your process written on it. And you just start ripping little pieces off. You get to the end of that hot season and you just throw the, the stack of pieces up in the air and your, fa- your process falls all to the ground in little shreds. And now all of a sudden it's October and it's 72 degrees for two weeks and you're trying to piece your process back together. So having that process, sticking to it, no matter what the weather brings or the world brings, um, gives you the ability to, one, never have to question what you're going to say, which takes so much of the anxiety uh, and that awful feeling of getting ready to knock on a door with really no idea what you're going to see and what you're going to say. It takes that part out of it. But also if you get to a few calls and nothing's happening and they need work done, you can go back to that process and say where have I veered off. It also gives you a way to funnel things down. So if you're closing at sixty percent of things you see that actually need to be done, and you need to get that to eighty, you can look at your process and say what doesn't need to be there or what needs to be added to it.
0: Speaking of process, uh, Logan, let's jump in with you here. So if you could explain to us, like if you could drill your process down to like you know a couple steps, like these are the things that I know I always need to do. Lay that out for us.
1: So any any process can alter, too, based on the situation. But I I have a couple standpoints that I need to hit. Um, Number one is the introduction. If if you can get, that's part of my process. Introduce yourself. Make sure you take two minutes if the client is hurrying up, or take 10 minutes if they want to talk for 10 minutes. Introduce yourself. From there, tell them, you know, basically your experience, what you're here to do. Get their approval. From that point on i think the biggest misstep like brian was saying when you're in the summer versus when you're not selling is is you sometimes people throw stuff at you like hey i just want my panel replaced you know i I know what it's going to take but if i cut steps out of that process and i don't look at the panel i don't look at the receptacles i don't look at the service and stuff like that it always comes back to bite you because the next call they're not going to throw it at you the next call they're gonna they're gonna make you work a little harder for it and part of my process is looking at the biggest part that's changed for me is looking at the system as a whole no matter what i'm there for smoke detectors i'm still looking at your panel i mean that's just that's how it goes i want to and it, and what it, what that's done to me is you, you you know you talk about you don't need to be knowledgeable sometimes knowledge can come off as arrogance too and once you go in and you tell my i'm this bona fide electrician that's been here doing this for 12 years there's nothing i can't see and and you go you go all into this; they're automatically thinking this guy's, you know, just tooting his own horn. And at the end of the day, I I just spent all that time trying to overcome that. Versus, if I just would have showed them with my process.
0: Okay. Uh, what about you, Dylan? Do you have a kind of a a defined step-by-step process that you stick to?
3: Yeah. So I, I break the call down into four segments, right? So it's it's the meet and greet kind of introduction, like Logan was saying. Um, I go in there, booties, no tools, no iPad, nothing in my hand. Um, this is to allow me to really, for that first I guess, like 10 to 15 minutes, is really get engaged with the, the customer. Listen to what their wants and their needs. Trying to understand what they're planning for the house. If especially with these sewer issues. Um, Texas does these tunnels, which are amazing if you've never seen them. Um, but they know they have foundation issues. Uh, They know that the tunneling needs to be done. Um, So trying to really be getting their expectations, have they had this, have they thought about it, have they searched on the internet like we were saying earlier. Um, I really want to get in depth on on them and what we're going to do today. Um, At that point, we set the agenda of what I'm going to do today. Um, We're going to run a camera section. We're going to get providing solutions. We use the Uncle Joe way. Um, We talk about the six options that we'll, my goal today is to provide you two premium, two mid-range, two economy options. There's never one way to fix it. I'm going to provide these options. And, again, just setting the agenda. That's the first uh, 15, 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, maybe that goes into longer, um, especially if you have that great conversation with them. Because we really want them to break down that we are regular people and we're not just trying to sell them a sewer, a, a panel. Um, but that's the first portion. Then it goes into the stage, right? The stage is just – Doing what you're trained to do. Um, diagnosing. I, I feel like a lot of people at this point, as on the work kind of sweat equity stage, that's when they start spewing out everything that they're finding, which starts raising elevations, raising concerns. Um, and I, I feel like that's what the rookie tech and kind of the, the guys that are not doing well are having a lot of time and a lot of trouble in is that they're walking around the house and they're just telling all the bad. Um, and I think what we need to do is keep it together like those are just keep on taking notes keep on taking notes. keep on taking notes. So that will be presented at the end uh, when we go to the closing stage um so the second stage is the work kind of sweat equity kind of figure it out and then then obviously we start providing solutions when uh, we start providing solutions we write down uh, i told you guys i'm a big fan of the six options which are six options uh premium mid-range economy um, we're going to go Joe A. and then we go to the to the close and the on the sit down so the, the fourth is a close um I tell people that, that's definitely when you're about to go in provide options you've built you at that call for 60 90 minutes don't ruin it now like right? don't be in a rush close. keep your phones in the car um, understand that this could take ten minutes this could take three hours and I've closed 70 eighty thousand dollar jobs in ten minutes and I've me it takes it's taking me three, four hours to close $3,500 jobs. Um, but if you're committed to that close and committed to providing solutions and going over um, and educating your customers thoroughly, that's the longest it can take. Um, and that's where it really when you get paid, right? That's where payday comes. All, everything leads up to the close. Um, but that's how I kind of break it down in four different segments.
0: Excellent. Well, now, thank you for explaining your process there, and you guys both certainly approached the call with some similarities, but also probably some differences. And I want to kind of open up the floor here for something interesting. I want the two of you to just kind of duke it out a little bit. Ask some questions, or or what are the things that you find in common with each other? Logan, let's start with you. What questions do you have for Dylan?
1: So, one of my big questions, Dylan, is, you know, you, you brought up about at the very end when the tech starts spewing out all that information. Um, do you think that's because... When you're new you said it happened, you know, Brian said it happened at the first couple months, then it goes drops down. Do you think that's because maybe you're trying to like well, anybody is trying to more or less prove themselves, like prove themselves that they're the good electrician or they're a good plumber, or they know what they're doing?
3: Absolutely. I think they just don't know any better. One, I think that's how they're trying to gain um like they're trying to promote themselves. Like I know what I'm doing. I'm sure it happens to electricians. it happens in plumbing. I mean, they're trying to self-promote themselves, but I think it's the wrong way. I think it's the, I think it's the way that they're, they're doing it, but they're just releasing all of their information, all their solutions, all their, the bad. And then, then because a lot of them don't talk about the good, they just promote the bad. So yeah. they're like, oh man, this guy's just trying to sell me. Like, he's only telling me this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And I can imagine just like on a panel or like an electrician, well, this, this, this light doesn't work. This switch doesn't work. That looks rusted, And you're just like, man, like he's building a case. It's going to be super expensive and they're already putting their guard up before you can get down to the table.
1: Yeah. I, I just always wondered if, if it's just me that sees that, like every company I ever worked at, you had to be the best electrician. You you didn't have to be the best person. You didn't have to have the best habits. You just, you had to be the best electrician. And I, I see that with people coming in here where you can be the best electrician, but you're, it comes off as almost like I said, like an arrogance thing.
2: Yeah. You hear that. We hear yeah. that in the office from the, from clients quite often, which is like, it's, it's another form of, you know, not usually not consciously or on purpose, but it's beating people down with the technical aspect. They feel like they were condescended to by some of our higher level technicians, especially newer technicians with a lower level EQ or uh, ability to communicate with clients before they had really have had enough training in that aspect. But for those who don't, you know, work with a team that has a lot of training and that stuff, you should be seeking out that training. I don't care what you do. Like a greeter at Walmart should be seeking out communication training. If you're doing anything, we're in front of people. If you're a father, you should be seeking out communication training. Like we don't know. We don't naturally know how to communicate with a four-year-old. We haven't been that for, you know, a couple of years, you know, it's God, been a while. Six years been, for you, huh? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> couple, couple. It's like thirty-nine years ago for crying out. Loud. I don't remember what it was like to be a four-year-old. So I, I try to communicate with mine, you know, in the best way I know how. But there, there are people who know more about that than me, and I need to be learning from them. And when you're dealing with, uh, with customers, with clients, the people we serve that pay us to come to their home. If there are people who can who know a little bit more than you do about how you should deal with them, to make them get everything they need but also enjoy the experience, take advantage.
0: A good question there, Logan. Thanks for bringing that up, Dylan. I want to flip it back over to you. Do you have any questions to ask to Logan?
3: Yeah, um, I guess it's one of the things that I've dealt with, and I don't know if you, and all if you're dealing with it. So now, as a three million dollars per claims, uh podcast, are you feeling that there's any more pressure on you? um to be successful. Obviously not just at work, you're probably at the top. Um but just in general. Like do you feel the pressure's on now to just always be successful every month in, month out?
1: Oh yeah. It's the I just had this conversation with my wife. She you, you make you make three million a year and then you you have in, a in revenue. Yeah, in revenue. <laughs> and then so all you, the Sparkies were like, what Yeah <laughs> You know, you average for three million a year, you're averaging about two fifty, two hundred fifty thousand in revenue a month. And then I had a month where I had one hundred eighty thousand, and I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know my process. I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta look. go back to
2: commercial. This yep. is,
1: it's not for me. <laughs> I'm looking for another job. You know all this stuff. And then I go home, and my wife's like, Are you serious? But, but you're right. It's like, and and I think that's what keeps us apart from everybody else is we we want to get better. Three million's not enough. That's that's not where I want to stop. I, and I don't know that there is a stopping point.
2: I started to text Nate as soon as Dylan asked the question right before Logan answered, if he said, No, I'm pretty good. I'm 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 like tech, I'll put I'll put some pressure on. I'll find some. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: know the pressure's there. Don't worry. You do bring
0: up a good point, yeah. Logan, though, and, and that is the inevitable slump. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't care if you're a three million or a three hundred thousand dollar technician or whatever you're doing in revenue. You're going to hit your highs and you're going to hit your lows. And I want to ask that question to both of you because I'm guessing that both of you have hit a slump at some time in your career or perhaps even multiples. What have you done to identify the slump and to get yourself out of it? Dylan, let's go to you first.
3: I'm very superstitious about these slumps. If I have two days of a bad day, if I get two days of no's, I'll buy a new boots. I'll, I'll go get a haircut. Um, I'll change what I'm wearing. Um, so I feel like the process is not the problem because the process works so so much, right? So it's something that I'm doing personally, like physically. After that, that again, just, I just have to change. Um But then on the back end, if I'm I'm on a streak and I'm going seven for ten, I'm re-washing that pants and shirt every single night. And wearing them every single day um, and that's that's how we've been for years uh in, in this but i i can have two three days bad and I'm, I'm like a grown baby like i'm throwing fits like <laughs> if, if, home, if dylan was a hockey dinner, player he'd be go, wearing the playoff yeah. beard not changing the
1: socks all the <laughs> way no they're shave October. november <laughs>
3: Absolutely. Like I'm going home, like, walking through my door, and it's miserable, and I, and I try not to do it as much. Probably, I have four kids, young kids, so I try not to be, as like, in a bad mood, but I'll just go straight to bed, like, go to sleep, wake up, do it again tomorrow, something in June.
0: I didn't yeah, know if you great. had scientific evidence of like, you know, when I wear this cologne, my percentage, it goes up when I switch over to the <laughs> to <laughs> Armani the <cool> water. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, if you do, let me know. <laughs> I, I, think bro- I think my brother, I think my brother, the one that did the new boot thing, um, he kind of like put us on because we got to go buy new boots. So anytime in our shop, when we were used to running California that anybody had new boots, they'd be like, oh, you're probably this one. I'm trying to, trying to work out of it. <laughs> So, I'm I'm, so I mean
0: no insult here, but you may have more boots than your wife has shoes by this time. I don't know.
3: Oh man, I I just throw them away because I can't even show her that I bought them. <laughs> <laughs> I can only I can only keep two or three at the house because they're they're obviously they're pretty expensive. So um,
2: she doesn't know how you, you keep your boots so new and clean looking. Huh? <laughs> I,
0: I, I,
3: they don't even go into the house, to stay in the garage, so I don't think she, she checks them out that
0: much. <laughs> well Logan, what I'll leave them in my truck. Logan, what about you? What about you? How how did you, how do you identify I'm in a slump or like something's feeling off here and what do you do to get out of it?
1: For me, it's when I'm in a slump, it's not that I'm forgetting my process. Like I feel like I go in a house and I don't, I can't even have a conversation with somebody. And you can ask anybody that knows me when that when that happens, that's something's wrong. There's There's, at that point, the process doesn't even matter. I just, I feel out of place. So what I do is... Uh, honestly, I, I turn everything off. I turn my podcast off. I turn just kind of disconnect from it all. I have sticky notes in my truck that I have to have have taped on there because I turn them around so I can't even see them. Just, I don't want the reminder that, Hey, I'm on pace to do a 3 million or last month I did this. I I feel like I'm a pressure person. I put a lot of pressure on myself. If you know, there's, there's no, there's no goal that I'm not going to achieve. And I think that's what gets me in and out of the slumps too so
0: that's that's another great point for both of you because uh, another question the opposite of the slump is to how to keep pushing yourselves so logan uh, i believe you are number one in your company right now dylan are you number one in yours as well
3: i just got there but i I, it'll it'll soon to be it's it's not gonna be very far from it
0: but yeah so what do the two of you do to consistently Press yourself forward, right? Logan, you said earlier three million is not enough. I'm Dylan. I'm, I'm sure you're echoing that response. So, what are you doing? We did it. We did a podcast with Brent Buckley uh, a while back where we were talking about finding the next rung when you're already on top of the ladder. So, what are you guys doing to like push yourself into the unknown territory? You're not. You're no longer chasing a goal. You're you're having to create new ones. You're no longer trying to beat a record. You're having to set records yourself. So, what are you guys doing? to push yourself into that territory, Logan.
1: So one big thing I do is I like training. Um, and, and I feel like it It takes me like like we have other techs here that are young and inspiring and they're coming up and talking to them and seeing their goals compared to what I got and, and helping them reach their goals is like, you know, obviously there's a time when three million becomes the top and then the, it takes a while to get to the four to the five to the six but there's never a time where you can't help somebody else hit two million a year or one and a half million a year so for me it's just it's always learn keeping up on the process learning the process but all by doing so with trying to be good-natured not not just hey I'm number one I want to stay number one you know what I mean it's like you got to help others get there because I'm not number one by myself
0: Dylan what has been your take on finding the next rung when you're already on top
3: um, these podcasts. I think uh, with the networking that these podcasts and, and social media is bringing, um, understanding, like, there, there are Burn Buckley's. There are Daniel Royce's. There are Rick Ricard's. Um, three million is, is a quarter for them, right? That's, that's what I kind of check myself with every time, like three million is nothing. Like, well, yes, they're in a different trade. Yes, but there, there's guys doing it, right? I, I think you guys see I don't want to shout him out too much, but you see Brett Buckley driving a freaking Lamborghini, right? Right. You check out his Facebook page.
0: It is nice. Why?
3: <laughs> why what does it take? It's going to take a lot more work, but what is it going to take for me to get there, right? Those are little things. Um, but then also having great mentors. Um, I don't know if you uh, – there's a guy named Lawrence DeCeo. He's been on several different podcasts. He's a run service champion. What's his name? Lawrence DeCeo.
2: Lawrence Castillo. Okay.
3: Yeah, he used to run Service Champions. He's one of he thinks he runs a company. He runs a company right now for Tom Howard. Um, he's probably I met him three, three, four years ago. Um, he's probably been one of the biggest influences, like as a mentor. He, he hired Daniel Royce, which is doing like seven, eight million. That's in California. He's helped uh, some of these guys create systems and processes, and I could always call him. He's a very humble and he'll humble you up and he'll give you a piece of humble pie in 10 minutes right <laughs> of what do you need to do better you're not good enough but in a in a, in a very productive way right he knows how to work we, we know how to work together he knows how to push me um and then even going to guys like uncle joe and stuff like that to just always always get better um and joe can the service mvp um but then again yeah uh, i like logan's things, like always Always, everybody has to eat, right? You can't just be on top by yourself. But teaching people how to change their income for their families has always been helpful, and that's why I kind of got into the training. Um, I'm kind of out of it now, but I, I got to change because I I wanted to see people thrive. Like if I could do it, anybody could do it. Uh, like there's no reason that I can't. I can sell three million. You can.
2: But you're but you're um, a brown belt people... in jujitsu, bro. So that's different.
3: <laughs> 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 but. Again, like I, like I told you, I was in purple belt for seven years. That's like people get their black belt in seven years now. <laughs> so, uh, I, I was a purple belt for seven years. So, again, I went through the struggle of not showing up, working too much, right, uh, making excuses. I should have been a black belt. I started training when I was 15. I should have been a black belt way faster. I had friends get their black belt in three, four years, but – we we all just buckle down at some point. I got better at plumbing, but
2: I got a lot worse at jujitsu. Um, yeah, I was. It's funny you say that. One, you're not out of the training game. Like with your with your mindset, you're going to do it for the rest of your life. You're probably already training other plumbers at the company you're at now. But um, I was having breakfast with a high producing um HVAC tech we have here, Dave, yesterday, and he was telling me that um, he went through a little little um, piece of his career a couple of years ago where he didn't want to train the next guys up to do what he does. And he's just an, an IAQ behemoth. I mean, the guy moves tons and tons of um, indoor air quality products for, for the HVAC department. And he said that the, the main re like he didn't. it's not that he didn't want to see people do well, but he felt that scarcity mindset where he was sure if he trained up three other guys to do what he does there would be less opportunity for him when he went out and ran his calls and and it is very easy to look at the world in in that limited perspective like you really have to for a period of time most producers will have to fight themselves against feeling like that and just know as Stephen Covey always said in in the seven habits and, and on all his videos, there's plenty out there and to spare. or sorry, there's plenty to go around and to spare that, you know, as you produce more, as the company produces more, we will get new clients. We'll spend more on advertising, but you just, you just always have to think more is coming. More is coming. I have an, an abundance mentality, never a scarcity mentality.
1: It's a competitive thing too, Brian. Like, um,
2: you don't want to train up the guy who beat you.
1: No, no, not only that. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be the only one that goes through a struggle. So, when I see the, the lesser grossing text, they're going through a struggle. I want to build them up to my level so then I can get above them again. Like, 3 million versus, let's say, 3 million versus 1 million. That gap is okay. But what if it's everybody's at 3 million? Then it gives me the fuel to, to go up to five. You oh, know, yeah, and,
2: yeah. You're saying a, a reason to train people up yeah. so like they'll push you. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's when I got hired here, Jamie told me uh, how he was doing. And um, I, I said, there's no way he's going to train me up to give him a challenge. And here we are. And now we're back and forth. And It's yeah. <laughs> iron sharpens iron, man. You're, it's, you're, it's,
2: he's giving you a challenge occasionally now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> worked, but, but that's what we do. That's now he does better than me some months. And next month, I'm determined to do better than him. Yeah, just, it's, a, it's
2: a great back and forth yep. between these two, but it's always uh, friendly competition and, and pushing each other. And Jay, Logan can be beating Jamie, I mean, hands down at the end of a month, and Jamie's still prompting him to do more and, and yep. giving him advice and tidbits on how he can pick his game up. It's like Nate and I are fortunate to to be able to just be on the sideline watching this.
1: Yeah, you go off of each other. That's what I mean by not being number I, one.
3: I think when you train somebody, it helps you really ingrain your process. And I think that's when I started really focusing on writing down a process and, and, like, carving one out. Because when these kids would come to me and we like, like, one $2 million sales guys or these $800, $800, $800,000 tech would ask for help, I was like, I kind of just show up every day and do what I do. Like, well, how do you do it? Like, what are you running the call? Well, just write with me. So we would ride together and it's like, okay, I see it, but I, how do I do it? Um, and that's when I really uh, started kind of focusing on kind of section out, like making it so I can teach somebody. Um, I, think that's, I think five, six years ago is really when uh, I started doing well and started having to really break it down so I could actually help other people do it. That's when I, I think I started getting a lot better.
0: Well, speaking of getting better, uh, what I was looking to do here is actually provide a little bit of training for our audience. And because we are in the presence of such greatness, I thought it would be interesting for you two to do some objections training today.
2: Uh-oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Click. Yeah, there's, a, there's a There's a line. <laughs> to, <can> I... <laughs>
2: I don't think cell phones
1: do that, do they? <laughs> My first call is calling. <laughs>
0: so what what we want to do here is uh, a little bit of random roundhouse. Uh, Dylan. Random selection. Logan and Brian. we have uh, We have a very highly technical app on here that's going to randomize who's getting the objection thrown at them.
3: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dylan, you up for
3: it? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna watch you stumble through it, but we'll get
0: into it. Okay, and, and for <laughs> what, those, what time you is it for you right now, Dylan? <laughs> uh, it is. It's
2: eight
3: forty-seven.
2: Oh, okay, not too bad. So, for it's those eight of forty-seven a.m. in okay. Dylan's world, he's an hour behind us. It's nine forty-seven for us, so we're way more crisp over here. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you yeah. listening, this is I not mean- scripted.
0: All right, so uh, competitors, are we ready?
2: Wait, so we're, we're just doing straight up
0: objections. Who's
3: going, who's, going, who's going first? All right, everybody does the same objection.
0: Uh, so what do you want to do, Brian? You want to do one objection per person or the same objection the whole way around?
2: Um, well, we can do one per person. And if somebody, if, if someone, we'll get
0: through more objections that way.
2: If someone thinks they have a, a better version of it, then let's absolutely hear yeah. it. Yeah. Like, like we want to end up with the best possible rebuttal for an objection. Um, but, but how? What's this randomized thing you're speaking of, man? Oh, I got, I got a little dice app on the uh, <laughs> on the phone here. High tech. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, was like, what does he? he what kind the of wizardry? Level. If Nate says something's high tech, like be intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just uh, we're, we're just talking about a piece of dice on an app. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, while he figures that out. We got a uh, a fan of the show who I was recently texting, uh, saying that Logan and Dylan, who he had said are possibly his two favorite episodes, I sent you guys that text. Uh, Kevin from Michigan, very good looking guy, and uh, you know I I feel okay to say that because he is my <laughs> twin brother. Um, said had said that these are probably his two favorite episodes, and I said, hey, just, just coincidentally, guess who's coming on the show? Uh, together. But um, what he had said about what those two episodes do for him is they make him stop carrying, and I'm reading this, stop carrying a bucket of excuses and objections into the customer's house with me. As in, boy, this one's going to hurt some feelings. I know. Mine, Mine included. You know, when I ran calls, I did this from time to time. There were certain homes I would pull up in front of I would go ahead and disqualify them from being able to own my products, right? Yep. Especially early in the career. It's, it's to go in there with the mindset that everyone is going to purchase from you. If you find a need, they're going to want what you present
1: and we're going to make it happen.
2: Who's the, uh, is it Weldon Long? Everyone trust me.
1: Gene Slade. Is it? Yep, Gene Slade. You say in your, everybody, buy, trust trust me, me, everybody, everybody buys, trust me. Everybody buys from me. From me. Yeah
2: kudos to genius it's a great thing they look in the rearview mirror on the way there and just say everyone trusts me everyone buys from me now it it should be because you're trustworthy yes
1: yeah you're not convincing yourself
2: no we start on that foot with these podcasts when training you know we're sitting in the conference room um recording this episode and we sit in here before we hire people and integrity is is and the number one thing, if we can find a reason in that conference room to think that we're missing integrity, it's a, it's yep. a wrap. Absolutely. So, to go in there thinking that this is going to happen on every call, it is so easy to walk in there and find the reason they're going to say no before you ask them. And you got to get that poison out of your mind. And, and as I see it, ha- having trained guys now for nine years as a career instead of, um, you know, even when I was in a truck doing well I was training guys but now doing it as a career for nine years I see the biggest thing that stops most people is you decide what the objection is before you present and either don't present as a result or present knowing they're going to say no anyway and that is the biggest tech killer right there Um, he also said Logan should write a sales book called I don't even have a ladder (laughs) (laughs) Because you'd have to listen to his episode again or for the first time to understand what that means we're not going to go into it so (laughs) let's hear it minick
0: all right boys so as i mentioned earlier this is completely off the cuff for these gentlemen no scripted uh uh answers here this is all just going to be live and in person so let's see logan you're going to be numbers one and two dylan you'll be three and four and brian you're going to be five and six Dice says number one. All right. Logan, you're up, buddy.
2: Okay. So if you roll the dice, it lands on a one or two. It's Logan. It's Logan. If it lands on a three or four, it's Dylan. Yep. If it lands on five or six, it's me. Bingo. Like I'm not a guest, bro. Who's giving me the objection? I am. I am the (sighs) the objection (sighs) master. Such an ugly customer. Let's uh, go. Thank you. Really (laughs) makes it tough, bro. I see him role (laughs) play with the techs here in training. It's like, ugh. (laughs) So, so dry and matter of fact. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. Uh, As a a customer, you're purely acting. Your acting chops are nuts, bro. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you.
3: props here. Thank you.
2: All right. Uh,
0: Logan. Okay. Hey, you know, it it sounds like you got some really good stuff there, Logan. I'm just not quite sure. I I need to talk to my wife about it.
1: Oh, okay, Nate. That's that's fine. If I was at my home, I'd want to run it by my boss, too. I know how it goes. Uh, Is there any way we could get her on the phone?
0: Uh, she's actually a nurse, and like they have a policy at the hospital, no phones between shifts, so oh, okay. she can't check. Okay.
1: So so you just need to run this by your wife. Is it just price, or do you want to get her, I mean, you probably ought to get her opinion on it, of if she feels the same way you do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like what you're saying. We definitely make our financial decisions together, uh, but I also want to make sure that like she's on board with the whole concept.
1: Okay, so I'll tell you what, is there actually, what time does she get off today?
0: Uh, let's see, 7 tonight.
1: Okay. Is it okay if I call you later tonight, give you guys about an hour to talk about it, then I call you, or would you rather just schedule a a revisit appointment for me?
0: Oh, wow. Is that something that you do?
1: Oh, yeah. I I typically, look, I'm going to level with you. I make a situation, and if I make a decision in my home that's more than 100 bucks, my wife wants to know why. I get it. I don't want you in the doghouse, and I don't want her being mad at me. So, yeah, I would actually prefer that.
0: Okay. Um, Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know uh, if it'll It will suit tonight. Could I get back to you?
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what. Why don't I follow up with you? When? When? How long do you need?
0: Um, give me till tomorrow.
1: Okay, so if I don't hear anything by tomorrow, I'm I'll call you. Is that fair? That sounds fair. Perfect.
0: Awesome.
2: I like it. I like it. Brian, Dylan, feedback. Uh, the one thing. The one thing I did slightly differently. Which I love that it was so sincere. Even even telling him he should get her opinion, not asking. I mean, he kind of asked, and he said, "But you definitely wanted, you know, want to get her opinion at least." I nailed it down more. I just I just asked when she would be home, uh, and and I would say so. I would ask the question: What which part do you feel like you need to talk to her about the most? Is it the money, or is it the whole opera? Like what what's going in, or where where is that at? And if he said it's just the money, I would say, where do you think she's going to be?
1: Hmm. Give yourself an idea.
2: Scale of 1 to 10, 1 being no way, 10 being get it done tomorrow, where do you think she's going to be? And if he says a 9, then I'll just say, when can I come back and, and talk about the paperwork with you? Um, if it's like the whole process, she wants to know about the plumbing. You know, I was a plumber. And I would say, what time does she get off? 7 o'clock? What time does she usually get home? 7.45? Uh, would, would like, I mean, I don't know what time you guys go to bed, but would 8.15, 8.30 be a good time for me to swing back by and help you explain what all we're doing? I mean, it, I know you, it's fresh on your memory now, but by the time she gets home, you're probably going to remember none of this. So I'd be fine to come back and help you explain it to her the way I explained it to you. Does that make sense? Yep. So I wouldn't really ask if I just say, or, or yes or no necessarily. Um, I just say, let's get together. Okay. Uh, and then also another effective tool there is you can offer two different times or days or yeah. whatever to come sit down with both of them. That's a that's a fact that he's excited now and understands fully the product. But by the time she gets home, he's forgotten everything and the questions she's gonna ask him are way over his head. That's almost always the, the case. Yep. So uh, you definitely want to get back in front of him, help him out with that part if it's if she wants to know about the plumbing. She just wants to know about the cash, the money, and he thinks she's at a nine. He's probably right.
1: That's if he's even telling the truth.
2: I, I feel by this point, you know who you're dealing yep. with, right? Yep. You, you know if you're dealing with someone who's mm-hmm. just trying to get you out of the house or is dead serious about wanting to get this done but needs to check with mama. We, yeah. We're we all married. Yeah. <laughs> if, if we're talking about a $13,000 job, we're, we're darn sure going to run it by the spouse. Yep. Excellent. What do you think, Dylan? Any feedback?
3: Uh. I- very similar to how I would run it. Um, kind of a lockdown in the sense of, obviously he's on the, he's doing it on the cuff, so I know it's changing, but we can take it apart. But I would, same thing out at this. So what option are we looking at? What option are we looking at going over with her? What option did you like? Um, and with that, yes, she's going to be off at seven, or what time should she going be off at seven today? What time is it going to be best for me to come back? Because realistically, I know you're going to have questions. The easiest thing for me to do, Is present it to you and answer all your questions at once so we don't have more questions and we're kind of keep on going back and forth. So the best thing for us is set an appointment. What time works best for you? Eight o'clock tonight. I I know so I assume she works three on, three on, three off. But we want to set it when we're both available we can all meet together and go over the solution. So we kind of put it right there.
0: Awesome. Hey, way to start us off there, Logan. Yep. Hey, I'm sorry. That's where we're going to have to end this podcast. Uh, make sure that you stay tuned for part two as we continue the conversation with these two fine gentlemen. And I'm sure they'll have even more great content to bring along with them. But for now, we hope that you enjoyed this episode and we hope that it has brought some challenges to you as well as some inspiration to overcome the impossible. Remember that was the quote that Brian started us off with on this podcast and it has such a uh, just a perfect idea for what these two guys are doing and how it relates to that quote. It's so relatable because they have overcome what many people would consider to be impossible and you can too. We hope this podcast is challenging you to do just that, to choose a hurdle in front of you and hop over it and then another one and hop over that and keep progressing, keep getting better. That's what we want from you. If you enjoyed today's show, leave us a review, give us a five-star rating. We'd greatly appreciate that. And better yet, share this with somebody who you think could be inspired by the same ideas that you have enjoyed today. Again, make sure that you tune into part two next week. And uh, we'll look forward to joining with these two gentlemen again. But for now, we'll leave you with our weekly challenge, which is to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day.